Hello and welcome to the latest Bicom podcast. I'm Richard Pater, the director of Bicom, and today is Wednesday, the 20th of July. I'm delighted to be joined today by the adjunct professor, Najat Al-Sayed, who is an adjunct professor at the American University in Dubai. She is also an author and a media personality in the Emirates, where she has a weekly column in the Al Itihad newspaper. And recently, she's also become a columnist in the Israeli media, both with Israel Yom and as a commentator on I-24. She is also the media and academic director of Sharaka. And I know her through the Israel Policy, Israel Gulf Policy Forum, of which we're both members. And finally, she also has a UK connection, earning her PhD at the University of Westminster. Najat, thank you very much indeed for joining me today. Thank you for this great introduction. Thank you. So um, really, we're looking a week on after the uh, after the Biden visit to the region. And really, I want to get a range of your of your views and, and perspective in kind of seeing how the how the visit um, was received there and various issues that are on the agenda from that visit. So perhaps we could just start off for your overall assessment of, uh, of what you made of the of the Biden visit last week. Um, well, um, I, this is from my analysis uh, in general, and honestly, through my analysis even before uh, the visit, I call the overall outcome now of the visit, I call it interest neutrality. Uh, so here, that was clear uh, through what the Saudi foreign minister, Prince Faisal bin Farhan, and the minister of state for foreign affairs, Adil Jaber, said, that Saudi Arabia is balancing its international relations over its interests. So it's uh, what they're trying to explain through that, that it's going to be balanced relationship. We're not going to be siding on what you call it, if you want to call it, uh, the Western uh, camp over the, uh, uh, the Eastern uh, camp uh, or vice versa. We want to be uh, neutral and we want to, and that will be based on our interests. So, um, so here, uh, the, the Saudi Arabia is truly uh, proud of the 18th relationship with the American partner, it, um, and it does not, but you know, limit uh, its trade and partnership with it. It searches for the best products, services, and relationship that meets its security and development uh, wherever they found it. So, if they find their uh, product, for example, or needs in China, uh, they will go for that. And they made it clear for that. Uh, the, um, so uh, the, this matter will not change after the, the summit. Uh, and they made it clear even the, the summit, uh, the, even, the, even after the summit. So this kind of balance between um, between the, um, different sides based on the interest. America also did not uh, uh, come out empty-handed after this uh, summit. Uh, there were 18 agreements with Saudi Arabia in, in various fields, in economy, um, in science, health, uh, education, environment, commercial, uh, uh, commercial interests, space, uh, military, industrial fields, uh, renewable e energy and sustainable agriculture. So uh, there was an outcome, it, it turned to be fruitful. So, uh, so uh, and, um, and also the door was open widely to double the joint investment in the two countries. And it was agreed to complete the specific arms contracts that, that were, I put in brackets, were frozen before in the first year of the Biden uh, administration. And then they resume it, contracting more, but the, on the condition of make it more localizing it and uh, to transfer the technology. So not buying the whole set without knowing the 
the background of the technology and they want to localize it. So, so in general, uh, it was win-win and balancing, uh, you know, result. This is how I see it. Thank you. There's a couple of issues we will come back to that you, you, you raised. But first of all, I mean, one of the cliches that the, the Biden was kind of uh, wanting to bring the message that the US won't be leaving the Middle East. Do you think that uh, enough of those kind of uh, soft power agreements were enough to reassure the, the Gulf leadership that the that US is really here and will maintain a presence? Well, first of all, first of all, um, uh, you know, the visit, um, you know, is important and the, the fact uh, Biden came all the way to the Middle East and to Saudi Arabia uh, and admit, to admit uh, that he has done a, a mistake uh, and, uh, by uh, this, uh, these kind of declarations that, uh, that um, uh, America will withdraw from the Middle East and find more important regions. Uh, the, the, so at least um, the, that, uh, that shows us that uh, the administration is moving to the right direction finally. Uh, but, um, and also the fact that America has made documented pledges of its security commitments towards its traditional partners from the moderate countries and implementation has already begun by uh, establishing joint operations rooms to manage air, air, sea and intelligence defense operations against missile attacks, maritime piracy and terrorist activities. This is also a very important uh, step. However, returning back Back to, you, to your question, will, will that be enough? Well, this is the danger, Richard. When you uh, like shake the trust uh, by certain attitudes, it's not easy to over to gain this trust overnight from one summit. Uh, you have to prove it, and it will take time. And now, um, you know, if uh, if before. Uh, the, these countries, uh, like uh, the, what we call the axis of moderation countries, including Saudi Arabia and UAE, uh, can take before uh, verbal promises. Not now. Not it's not anymore. I have to. Uh, everything has to be documented, and every uh, everything has to be turn uh, has to turn into action, and that, uh, also with time to so I can double check that you are sincere about it. So uh, so here and that was basically through many, many things that have been done. First of all, uh, calling Saudi Arabia a pariah state does have an impact. Politicizing the Khashoggi case and, you know, mission it over and over. Uh, this has also had uh, a negative impact, you know. Um, and um, also um, the loss of trust also happened since uh, the Obama administration. And here in the Middle East, is Especially, you know, in the Arab Gulf countries, they see the Obama administration, uh, the see the Biden administration is like a term, a third term of the Obama presidency. So, because of uh, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of secretaries are the same. It's almost the same administration. So, uh, and uh, and the 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 shake of trust happened during the Ob um, the Obama administration. This is uh, this happened, uh, you know, uh, siding with fundamentalist extremism, extremism uh, by supporting uh, chaos in the region, what is called the Arab Spring. So uh, we call it the Islamist radical spring. 
this is how we call it, uh, and uh, or the region call it, uh, while uh, the the Obama administration call it the Arab Spring. So uh, even the people, not only the governments, call it that this is a chaos. This is Islamist spring, uh, spring and putting radicals into power. This is how um, most of them, even people, say is. It. And the other, the, the other worst thing that happened, uh, the the nuclear agreement with the uh, with the uh, the with the fundamentalist Iranian regime, without even consulting those who are affected by Iran, uh, it was like um, secretly signed without notifying uh, no. Uh, Anybody from the surrounded neighboring countries who are affected by the uh, by the uh, fundamentalist and extremist uh, and interfering uh, policy of uh, of the Iranian regime, so all of these things affected the relationship. So it won't go even uh, overnight. The other thing, even even after the summit. Uh, we heard about the U.S. State Department declaration that des uh, designating the Houthis uh, as a terrorist. Organization is not among our priorities at that moment. So here you you said you your my security is important to me, uh, to, to you. And uh, you are like want to show uh, your, uh, your 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 sincere uh, approach. At the same time, uh, the Houthis, which is number one security threat to the Gulf, especially Saudi Arabia and the UAE, you're saying it's not the, the priority. So um, this is like. Um, like it, it, you know, um, it, it uh, that was shaking also the relationship, it, and the, it will delay it even more. The other thing that happened, the long declaration of the White House, uh, that uh, Biden, uh, it's the declaration of the White House said that Biden raised before so the Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman the issue of his responsibility for the killing of journalists of Jamal Khashoggi. Actually, this is uh, uh, this was not said. Uh, and uh, Adel Jaber denied that, uh, denied that, and uh, and the White House uh, eventually has uh, retracted the President Joe Biden's statement about the state uh, about about that. So this is uh, all of these things, um, honestly, um, like um, uh, like uh, you know, hasten uh, the and shake the the trust. Um, because because we can understand the, the mistakes that happened before the summit. Now you are insisting to continue in the same path even after the summit. So this is this is quite is raising a lot of controversy here. And honestly, Richard, the main problem is not with the U.S. as much with with the Democrat Party and mainly the leftists who are now dominating the party. So the access to moderation, including Saudi Arabia, are pragmatic countries, and that's why they uh, they differ with the access of resistance, like the Iranian regime, like uh, the the, uh, the Islamist parties, including the Muslim Brotherhood, including uh, Hezbollah and uh, Hamas and uh, and the Houthis. Those are the access of slogans and the access uh, the access of uh, we call them ideologies. So uh, here, we uh, a lot of uh, uh, political analysts in the Gulf see there's a kind of parallel uh, parallel between the leftists and the radical Islamists in terms of not looking for in, uh, uh, common interests and more focusing on slogans and also uh, uh, like interfering on other nations' values is something that that is irritating everybody here in the region, not only the political leaders. And that's why the 
conference said we are proud of our noble values and will never abandon them. Here, the values are, are two, composed of two, political and social. Political is when you say that my liberal democracy is the best and you have to uh, adopt it. Well, we saw how, how it was implemented in Iraq and Afghanistan. We saw the miserable outcome. Uh, why you want to repeat it again? And uh, this is number one. The other thing, uh, the, the social values, imposing uh, values like, for example, uh, like, like almost imposing by the repetition and the, uh, uh, and uh, cultivating the idea of the LGBT over and over. This is uh, also something that um, annoy and make the people angry. I'm not here, I'm not talking about the people. So let us uh, return back to our mutual interest and everybody respect the values of each country. And uh, because again, yeah, you know, by imposing your values as if you're saying I'm perfect and you're not. And this is here we come uh, the, you know, with the relationship of hegemony. And this is really that, you know, irritate the relationship and we want to return it back. So these are the main, uh, you know, uh, issues in, in the, you know, in the relationship. And how would you assess um, the Emirates strategy when it comes to Iran? You know, on the one hand, you're very close neighbors with important trade links. On the other hand, they provide a, uh, a security challenge with their UAVs and missiles. How does MBZ uh, hope to square these two trends? First of all, uh, the issue of, uh, of Iran is not the responsibility of only UAE. UAE is very successful country, yes, but also in, in terms of geography, it's so close to Iran and also it's a small country. And Iran is, a radical, is, is, uh, is ruled by a radical regime here. This radical regime doesn't care about its people and doesn't care about development. It is, uh, what, what it cares about is basically its military and funding uh, its military, which is uh, the Revolutionary Guard and the funding militias, okay? Here the UAE, uh, its situation is very sensitive. First of all, it's very close. From uh, from Iran, it wa it wa uh, uh, it wants uh, to uh, to protect uh, to uh, to uh, to protect itself from from the Iranian regime and its uh, uh, and its attacks. But at the same time, it couldn't go completely aggressive and uh, and using the hard power completely. Um, and even its attitude, it couldn't it couldn't be, be as firm as Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is a bigger, a bigger country and can handle it. But UAE and the other thing, UAE is very developed country, is very successful, and they have done a lot of achievements. If the UAE went, let's say, so hard upon uh, 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 the Iranian regime or the uh, uh, or uh, on the Iranian strategy, they are worried that they will go and attack them. Okay, because they can do it easily. Okay, so this is number one. Number two, when you talk about strategy, it's not only UAE, it's the whole region and including the Western countries. Here we come to the most complicated uh, question, uh, Richard. Is there a consensus, uh, consensus in the region towards Iran? The answer is no. So how come I singly as UAE make a, a whole strategy? And the word strategy is huge, by the way, especially when it is a, when it is a long-term strategy. Okay, so when you go and take, for example, United States, uh, the United States, the superpower country. Okay, uh, when when we see, for example, 
the, the, the Trump administration is following what we call the maximum pressure up on the Iranian regime. And we saw that very clearly in Biden. And then suddenly the, the Biden uh, administration wants to do or, the, or wants to uh, undo everything the Biden administration has done. Okay, and by using the maximum diplomacy and returning back to the nuclear agreement that most of the uh, Arab Gulf countries disagree with. So how come you expect from UAE uh, to make a strategy? So here, the UAE honestly also lost trust with the, with the uh, you know, with the US administration towards Iran. And they see this last move that happened during this visit is tactical movement and not a strategic movement because they need it because of the outcome of the Ukrainian-Russian war. So they, 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 they don't see in front of themselves, in front of a serious uh, like uh, superpower country um, against uh, the Iranian regime. They see it as exact uh, foreign policy. So that's why they're worried about themselves. And they're not sure, God forbid, if something happened against them, like an attack uh, from Iran happened, uh, happened towards them, is the uh, US uh, gonna be protected? them uh, or uh, who is going to protecting them so that will put them in a very critical situation so that's why maybe it's confusing quite to israel but let uh, but israel is quite far away from iran it's not like uh, uae so that, that's this is the dilemma i want to, uh, the balance between maximum pressure and maximum diplomacy this is when you call it strategy did it happen no and then uh, we come to the region also, there's no consensus. You see, for example, Saudi Arabia, you see, is, you see Israel, for example, Bahrain, for example, are more into the uh, maximum pressure, for example, while other countries are even dealing with, the, with Iran, even Arab Gulf countries, like, for example, Oman, like, for example, Qatar. So that even makes it more difficult to build a comprehensive long strategy. So here, that, uh, so when you say, strategy against uh, a radical regime like uh, Iran that has uh, that uh, that is uh, like uh, um, uh, dominating a lot of Arab countries and the region th that takes a lot of work and it doesn't happen only through a visit one visit uh, if uh, and if the Biden administration for example instead of talking in the uh, attacking Saudi Arabia and it's uh, in the presidential campaign and in the first one year and a half they talked with the UAE and Saudi Arabia how we can deal with it how we how we can make a, a strategic a strategic uh, uh, like uh, partnership towards towards the threat of Iran here you will see a different attitude whether from UAE and Saudi Arabia but instead there was an attack uh, against Saudi Arabia, there, there was lifting of the healthies who are funded by the Iranian regime. There's a return back to the Iranian uh, nuclear agree agreement without consultation with the UAE and Saudi Arabia. There was a freezing of, uh, of weapons, uh, selling weapons to UAE and Saudi Arabia. So how can they trust over a sudden uh, what we call strategy? It is a tactic movement. That's how they see it. So this is the dilemma. This is the dilemma. Thank you. And what do you think about the, the Israeli role in kind of playing, playing some form of, uh, of active uh, partnership in a defensive sense together with the UAE and Saudi Arabia against those shared threats? Well, uh, Israel, um, uh, its, it's, uh, its attitude uh, to war, honestly, I see the Israeli uh, foreign policy in terms 
terms of dealing with Iran is much more consistent and much more reliable than the United States, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, but the problem, Israel, uh, like what do you call it, uh, situation internally is affecting uh, such, uh, you know, such move. Okay, uh, so, uh, you know, regarding the conflicts and everything, but, but, uh, but, uh, but they can see the uh, Arab Gulf countries, the consistency of uh, the Israeli foreign policy towards Iran, and that's so clear. Uh, but at the same time, Richard, the relationship with uh, this Abraham Accord, I wish that it happened in the first year of the Trump administration. If this happened, the, the, the whole alliance between uh, Israel and the, uh, the countries that they made uh, their, uh, their, their agreement with will be much, much solid, okay? And the other thing, if the, if the Trump administration was re-elected, we could have seen much stronger alliance in every single field, especially in terms of strategy uh, towards Iran. But unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, you can see that uh, that uh, uh, the Biden administration wasn't uh, pro the Abraham Accords. They were uh, and uh, they were so reluctant and uh, towards it because it just simply and I'm sorry to say that childishly, it just is because it came from Trump. So they, if they were serious about it from the very beginning, and instead of attacking Saudi Arabia and calling it the Pariah Strait and whatever nonsense talk, if they, if they worked hard from the very beginning to, to strengthen this Abraham Accords and including other important countries like Saudi Arabia, you could have seen a different total alliance with Israel. But unfortunately, it didn't happen. And this zigzag foreign policy, it, it, shaken the it shook the trust. And um, it, instead of strengthening the Abraham Accords, it, it loosened it. Uh, and, you, uh, and we have seen that. And even, if, unfortunately, I talked to many um, like organizations here in UAE, especially those who are dealing with the Abraham Accords and dealing with with uh, with uh, with Israel in different fields. We call it research centers or political or political centers and others, and even media. They're saying our main obstacle dealing with Israel that the Biden administration is against it. The Biden administration is against the Abraham Accord, and they're making it difficult for us. I was shocked when I heard the answer. Uh, fascinating. So, fascinating. Yeah, so that's a problem. Um, another, another angle I'd like to ask you about is about um, public opinion um, inside the Emirates. That I, My understanding is there was a recent poll at the Washington Institute that showed still a large majority um, are not in favor of the Abraham Accords. Um, what do you think uh, the benefits of normalization are to, kind of, to, to show that to the, uh, the regular uh, Emirati public? Well, um, part of the answer of, uh, of this question is what I answered before. If we had a, a serious administration on strengthening and supporting the Abraham Accord, that we could have seen much more uh, public support. But mm. unfortunately, this is, didn't happen because the Abraham Accord is a huge step and it's still, it's still in its very beginning. It's like a baby, it needs a support. Uh, but unfortunately, this support didn't happen. In order to have the impact uh, or the, uh, the uh, what do you call it, uh, the, uh, the public opinion uh, belief uh, of it takes a lot of time, Richard. It's not something e easy. Uh, the, mm. uh, the, the hostility and the, and the negative 
rhetoric has been for, uh, has been for so many many years in the educational system, in the media, in the in the campaigns, in the summits, in the conference. So all of these things were imposed among the majority of the Arab public. You couldn't take it overnight. Uh, this is this, that takes time. So instead of uh, you know um, working towards what we call warm peace or citizen diplomacy or people to people relationship with all the zigzag foreign policy that happened due to the Biden administration instead of going forward with that uh, you, you know it, uh, it that had an impact on the Abraham Accord in general and specifically on the people to people uh, relationship we are in Sharaka for example trying our best to go over that, but we are facing difficulties, yes, uh, especially, you know, like in the beginning of the Trump administration, we were moving like super. Now there are kind of reluctancy, honestly. So we, uh, and, uh, and because of the, uh, you know, uh, re the reasons that I told you. The other mm -hmm. thing, why we need this kind of support from the United States, because, you know, uh, because we want to take the relationship from government to government. Regarding the government to government, it is it is fine, especially after the free trade, uh, uh, free zone trade uh, that happened this time. So there are more going to be more business deals and different and different fields. But when it goes to the public opinion, you need different kinds of need, uh, deals. And mainly, and mainly, I, I always talk about that in different uh, art and different and even when I contribute uh, in the uh, for the broadcast I say the two factors that you will influence the people with if and if you didn't do it as soon as possible huh as soon as as soon as, soon as possible you will have uh the few people who were who were uh, who were supporting you might you might lose them which 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 are education and media we must include at least one or two courses about the benefits of the Abraham Accords, especially on the country, on the countries, uh, upon the countries who signed this agreement and uh, politically on security, on, uh, um, uh, on uh, uh, business, economy, and even in, uh, uh, and even in, in, diff in, different, uh, in different deals. So the people have to be aware of that. The general public do not understand the the true, uh, you know, benefits of that. Uh, and here, the main the main uh, people that you want to attract are the younger generation. And how you can target the younger generation through the educational institutes. And that's what I was hoping that uh, uh, whatever administration came to do. This is number one. Number two, the media. The media is so 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 influential. Uh, you know, and you can see the media coverage of uh, of Israel is really, really uh, negative, and it's coming from both, from the Arab media and even the the Western media. It's it's always um, you know because we know that the uh, the uh, the Western media is uh, is run by the lib what you call liberal or leftists, and they are almost against this. And um, you know we can see and we can see the biased coverage and the, the inaccurate information of coverage, especially during turmoil. We see, I saw myself how the coverage was during uh, Shireen Abu Akhla's uh, uh, assassination. I saw the coverage during the Ramadan um, like uh, attack and, uh, you know, and in the in the um, in the Al Aqsa Mosque uh, camp uh, campus. I saw the even the coverage of the of the media during you know the turmoil 
uh, that happened even um, even after uh, the the summit in Israel, um, you know, of the Abraham Accords countries with Israel. So, uh, so you know, the media coverage is so biased, and unfortunately, it's coming from both sides, uh, and 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 um, and also uh, what we call. It, I call it more than being biased, being uh, inaccurate. And inaccurate uh, information is quite uh, like another version of fake news. For example, when you show a, a Palestinian attacking, uh, or, or when you see, when you show an Israeli soldier uh, holding the hands of, of a Palestinian, of a Palestinian, um, you know, uh, without showing what those people have done to the soldiers or to the police, here you're biased. As if you're showing that those uh, those uh, police or the soldiers are attacking are attacking them just only to humiliate them. Show me the scene from the very beginning until the end. Like for example, during the uh, Shirin Abu Akla's uh, funeral, they were showing only uh, how uh, how the Israeli uh, police was uh, was uh, was uh, uh, you know uh, uh, pulling uh, the Palestinians aggressively? They weren't they they weren't showing how the Palestinians were throwing, for example, cans up on them, how they were attacking them, what they were doing. Why you show the the scene from the half? This the, all of this ha, uh, you know have a very very negative impact up on the people uh, because they see what what we signed a, an Abraham. Of in order to, uh, to for you to change your attitudes towards the Palestinians and now you are attacking them that's uh, you know in this case you're not a trustworthy country and this is because of the impact of the media that's why the, the media is so so dangerous so this is I, I honestly I'm not surprised about the Washington Institute poll at all and I was expecting that Fascinating. I think we've run out of time for today, but really, thank you so much for your, for your time and your, and your insights. It was very, very interesting perspectives. So thank you very much indeed. Thank you.